0: Those who zol, who do zol. Sometimes when people zol, and then zol puts a life on their zol scafe and then they share that zol. So, that is the story about like it's. I don't know what you call it, like a zol.
1: CoC Minister Nkosuzan CoS Zuma helpfully reminded us during lockdown that a lot of people in South Africa smoke marijuana. One of the only reliable studies, conducted over a decade ago, put the figure at about 3.2 million marijuana users. But the 2020 number is likely to be many multiples of that. I think it's safe to say that the March 2017 Western Cape High Court ruling that the right to use cannabis in the privacy of one's home should be enshrined in law was probably one of the most joyfully received court judgments in the history of post-apartheid South Africa, but also one of the most widely misunderstood. That judgment did not suddenly make marijuana a legal substance in South Africa, and neither did the 2018 Constitutional Court ruling, which upheld the previous decision. But that hasn't stopped a glut of new businesses springing up, which are creatively exploiting the large loopholes in the current legal framework around marijuana. They're taking advantage of the kind of limbo we're in as a country at the moment, waiting for Parliament to pass the laws that will clarify what exactly is allowed when it comes to the possession and use of weed. Earlier this month, that question came one step closer to being answered with the publication of the first draft of the Cannabis for Private Purposes Bill. But for many marijuana advocates, the proposed law amounted to a very unwelcome surprise. On this week's show, we're looking at the current landscape of marijuana in South Africa hearing how users and businesses are getting around the paradox that although you can now legally smoke weed at home, you cannot legally buy it anywhere. We're also exploring some of the troubling implications of the draft cannabis bill before Parliament, which actually creates new crimes relating to marijuana use. Welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger, the Daily Maverick podcast where we bring you the stories behind the stories. I'm Rebecca Davis. There's a great deal that is still totally unclear when it comes to the legal status of marijuana in South Africa. But here's something that's no longer up for debate. If you are above 18 years old, you cannot be arrested for smoking weed in a private residence. Any more than you can be arrested for having a beer or a cigarette. Outside of level 3 and above of lockdown, of course. Yet despite this, you'll find surprisingly few people still who are willing to say on record that they are habitual daily marijuana users other than perhaps students or high-profile marijuana advocates, of which South Africa has quite a few. This is probably an indication of the stigma that's still attached to marijuana in a largely still religious, still conservative society, which offers some clues as to why both Parliament and the courts have been so slow to tackle the issue of decriminalization in any meaningful way. But someone who is happy to talk about it is Neobayepi, a 29-year-old photographer from Johannesburg.
0: I smoke a strain called Sour Diesel. It's a sativa-heavy strain, which means it's not like a stodgy, slow high. It's an energetic, creative high. I smoke once a day every day. I smoke in the morning, and then I'm pretty relaxed for the rest of the day. And if I feel like another one in the evening, then maybe, but mostly in the morning. I don't smoke when I'm about to go to work like if I have a shoot, but it actually kind of simplifies my workflow if I'm a little bit (laughs) stoned.
1: Neo's initial experience with weed was quite negative, which is not uncommon. A study from Washington State University published earlier this year found that the less marijuana you've smoked in your life, the more likely you are to have adverse reactions to it.
0: I started when I was younger because it was a cool thing to do. I hated the first time I smoked weed because I had been drinking. There's just that old rule, if you are gonna smoke weed, don't do a lot of heavy drinking before that better to smoke a joint before you drink. My night ended very quickly. I had to go to bed. I threw up and then I swore off weed for a really long time. And then I tried it again, just hanging out with friends, no alcohol involved. And I really liked it. I really enjoyed being high. It was fun. Everything was funny and food tasted so much better.
1: A few years later, Neo discovered quite by accident that previously recreational marijuana use might also be serving a medical purpose.
0: I turned 19 and I was diagnosed with epilepsy and my neurologist asked me after seeing my blood work and my brain scans if I was a weed smoker and I told him the truth (laughs) and he said it could be the thing that saves my life and prevents me from being on chronic medication. He didn't prescribe per se. I think he just said it's something I could try out because the meds that are prescribed for epilepsy are quite toxic I just invested in smoking better weed, doing more research on it, and I haven't had a seizure in four years now.
1: We should pause here to say that people who are evangelical about marijuana often make claims about its medical benefits that are really overblown. There is not very much rigorous evidence supporting a lot of the medical claims about marijuana that have become a kind of folk wisdom. But one of the exceptions is epilepsy. There is evidence to show that cannabis can reduce seizures in certain types of epilepsy. Regardless, Neo's doctor couldn't prescribe medical cannabis 10 years ago, and he probably wouldn't be able to do so today either. As things stand, to quote the South African Medical Journal, no plant-derived cannabis products are currently registered by the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority for medical use. There's only one synthetic medical cannabis product which is legally available in South Africa at the moment. It's called dronabinol, and it's sometimes prescribed to counter the effects of chemotherapy. What has been legal to sell and buy as of May 2019 for a limited period is CBD oil derived from hemp plants, but those products cannot contain more than 0.001% THC, which is the compound in marijuana that produces the high. So, Nao has had confirmation from a doctor that it's probably not a bad idea to use marijuana in moderation to control epilepsy symptoms, but until recently, that hasn't made it any easier in practice to get hold of marijuana. And the thing about illegal drugs, as liberalization advocates have repeatedly pointed out, is that there's no way of regulating what people are using, no way to try and ensure that people have safe drug experiences.
0: It's not easy to say where a lot of the weed we smoke comes from. For example, if I buy weed from just any old dealer, I don't know where he grows his stuff. I don't know what's added to it. I don't know what pesticide is used on it.
1: That all changed when NEO started using one of the quasi-legal marijuana services which have sprung up around South Africa over the past year and a bit. Most of these businesses are membership organizations. They refer to themselves as cannabis clubs and their models are cleverly designed to get around one of the most frustrating elements of the current legal situation around marijuana that although you are now legally permitted to smoke and even grow marijuana at home, it is still illegal to both buy and sell marijuana, marijuana plants, or marijuana seeds.
2: You're not allowed to buy and sell cannabis. What about the seeds? How do people get seeds and clones into their possession? They can't fall from heaven, you know? Now Moses isn't gonna deliver it to them.
1: When we're back, we hear from one of the business people trying to solve that problem, and stay on just about the right side of the law. We love making this podcast, and ideally we'd like to keep making it until podcasts are replaced by a new kind of technology. But to do so, we really need your help. We ask you to leave reviews on Apple Podcasts and to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, not simply to boost our egos, though we love that too, but because reviews and ratings make it easier for other people to find us. Thanks again for your support. Jack Stone is the founder of a new business called the Cape Cannabis Club.
2: The short version is the business is a premium growing service for private members where we grow their plants on their behalf in our indoor and our greenhouse facilities and then we basically harvest their plants on a leased space, which is leased to them, a member designated area, which is part of the membership fee. We then dry, we trim and cure, and then we deliver the members cannabis in whole flower at this stage to their private address anywhere in South Africa.
1: There are various tiers of membership available at the club, ranging in price from 330 rand a month all the way up to 2,000. The price rises depending on how much marijuana you want to produce each month, how you want your weed grown, and what strain of weed you want to grow.
2: We have 11 strains in total. In general, you've got indica dominant strains and sativa dominant strains. Those are the two main types of cannabis out there. I would define broadly as indica as nighttime cannabis, and Sativa is daytime cannabis. I'm no horticultural expert, but basically you've got Sativa, which allows you to function, gives you energy, gives you a buzz, allows people that are in the creative field to do their work and operate, go out, be energetic. And then you've got your heavily Indica dominant strains, which basically can put you, if you're not a regular user, into couch lock, you know, and sort of zone you out and they relax you. So a lot of people use that for pain relief for, you know, if you've got a busy mind, you've had a hard day and you just want, instead of taking a whiskey at the end of a hard day and your mind's racing, you know, you could have a couple of puffs of an indica dominant strain and uh, relax more uh, efficiently.
1: Jack says the Cape Cannabis Club so far has attracted all sorts of members, including old age pensioners. He sees the service as fulfilling two types of needs. The first is that it offers what he calls a premium product. Yes, it's now legal to grow weed at home, but it's also legal to brew beer at home, and relatively few people bother with that outside of the realm of a hobby, because you can buy much better tasting beer produced by experts. Jack argues that the same applies to marijuana. He also says many people simply don't have the ability to grow marijuana plants in a private space and that this unfairly excludes them from the right to smoke it under the current legal framework which prohibits buying marijuana.
2: Let's take someone that lives in an apartment with nowhere to grow his own plants. Why would he be excluded from his constitutional right to use or consume cannabis? They don't have the space, they don't have the privacy, and they don't have a private place in which to grow their cannabis. They then join the club, the Cape Cannabis Club, and we grow their plants on a member's designated area which is leased to them, in our facilities. That's their plant.
1: What Jack doesn't explicitly say is that his business model amounts to an ingenious legal workaround. Because although what he's doing is effectively providing people with marijuana, the fact that he is technically leasing people a private patch of land on which to grow marijuana they then own provides his company with a measure of legal protection. That's what his lawyers tell him anyway. When the courts ruled that it should be permissible to smoke marijuana in private settings, they gave Parliament two years to draft laws to clarify matters which are currently totally unclear, like how much marijuana you can grow at home and still be considered to be cultivating it for personal use. Entrepreneurs like Jack, hoping to get in early on the commercial marijuana sector, have been eagerly awaiting these laws in the hope that they would clearly pave the way towards illegal marijuana trade in South Africa. There are now less than two months left until the deadline given to Parliament by the courts expires. And a week into August, the draft Cannabis for Private Purposes Bill was finally published. To say that people like Jack were disappointed would be an understatement.
2: My take is that the authorities had two years to produce the legislation. They did nothing. And then at the last minute, they had some people that uh, tried to rush through something that kind of passes muster, bearing in mind the constitutional court case of 2018. So it looks like it's been rushed through. It looks like it's not all been thought through. And it basically only deals with, as it says, cannabis for private purposes bill. So it, it seems like it's a rush job.
1: The draft law does provide some much needed detail on aspects like marijuana possession. It proposes that we'll be allowed to possess 600 grams of dried cannabis per adult in a private place. You can't be found with more than 100 grams of that in your possession in public. You'd be able to grow up to four flowering marijuana plants in a private dwelling, or eight if two adults live on the property. But there are still multiple contradictions and ambiguities. It's not quite clear exactly how they're defining private place or private dwelling, Although you can take 100 grams of marijuana into public, you can't smoke it in public, and you still can't buy or sell it. Although you can possess an unlimited amount of marijuana plant seeds, you can't buy or sell seeds, prompting the question that Jack asks, are they supposed to drop from heaven? Jack says that since a law like this provides almost no assistance to businesses like his, he's not prepared to sit around.
2: I think we're probably, we're gonna to go to court for a declaratory order. So where we ask the court, to determine whether our business model is legal or not. We're not going to wait for someone to attack us because you know the police force is uh, capricious at best and vindictive in the worst-case scenario.
1: One of the greatest ironies of the draft cannabis bill is that although it is supposed to build on the court's decision to protect the rights of marijuana's users, It actually provides scope for the police to take action against weed smokers in a whole new bunch of ways that in some cases carry punitive jail terms. You can now be prosecuted for smoking weed in your home too near to a window or doorway. You can be prosecuted for having a weed plant which is not deemed totally inaccessible to children.
3: I think they've criminalised it to a large extent. You know, the penalties are quite absurd in our opinion. You're looking at prison sentences of up to four years for smoking, and say, for instance, a vehicle. And if you're found to be cultivating or buying more than nine flowering plants, you could face up to 15 years in prison.
1: That's Zureida Mayat, director of the law firm Kleinhalt Mayat, alongside partner Albertus Kleinhalt. Mayat says that if the law were to be passed as it stands in its draft form, it might well amount to a step back for the rights of marijuana users since it's her sense that over the past two years of legal limbo, police have been far more hands-off about making marijuana-related arrests. One feature of the draft bill which has been hailed as genuinely progressive is that it would provide the opportunity for people who have been arrested in the past for possessing marijuana to have their criminal records wiped. But Albertus says this seems like something of a trivial gesture compared to the rest of the bill.
3: One of the things that struck me from the act was that it seems that the government is giving with one hand. It, it says it will expunge some of your criminal records, but it's only really when you were found to be in possession of cannabis through different acts. So it's only that single act of possession that if you found to be guilty of that, that they will expunge. And then they lay out the procedure for you in length, how you can go about doing that. But then if you turn back a few pages, you'll see that they've created fences on the fences. It's a fence for cultivation, a fence for cannabis and also for the goods consumption. For me, I, I think we've gone backwards if you look at this. government says to you, okay, well, expunge your record for you. But on the other hand, there's a big stick lying and waiting for you. If you overstep the boundaries, then you'll end up with a worse fence in the wait. I, I think we've gone backwards.
1: Albertus and Zereda also have a dog in this fight because part of their work involves advising big multinational companies hoping to get a license to farm and export marijuana from South Africa. This is the only commercial avenue that the South African government has revealed itself to be somewhat open to, but to obtain a license is exorbitantly expensive and only a handful have yet been granted.
3: It's quite an involved process to get a permit or, and a license from the South African authorities that deals uh, with these licenses. It's very complex and very costly. You're excluding anyone who doesn't really have the cash of, let's say, upwards of maybe 50 to 100 million rand available to them for commercially using this, this plant. And as you and I know, most of the recreational plants that's been cultivated are done by small-scale farmers. It's not your big commercial farmer or commercial entity that runs those operations. So if you want to explore the commercial opportunities that there are as a licensed and a permit holder, you have so many red tape and regulations to comply with that it's now impossible for you really to get to it. There's only a handful of permits and licenses that have been issued over the last few years, but maybe as as, as many as five, perhaps even less.
1: Albertus is adamant that the South African government's reluctance to open up the commercial marijuana sphere is a terrible act of short-sightedness when so much stands to be gained.
3: If you consider South African climate and also the skill of the people growing it, it's been grown in certain provinces for decades. And if you take that thing and you weigh it up with what a country like Canada has achieved and also certain states in America, the tax revenue that they've collected in in those states and specifically in Canada has shot up beyond comprehension. The figures that people are talking about are running into billions of dollars. For South Africa that's in need of employment opportunities and in need of capital to come into the country, we have the infrastructure to support that. We have the sun the water, the skills to capitalize on it. In my view, it could really make and break our economy. Perhaps quite profound to say that there is an opportunity to to make an awful lot of money from it for a a huge amount of people. You don't really have to have the greenness of green fingers to grow it. It's a weed, as the name suggests, and it grows quite Quickly and, and without a lot, a lot of intervention. And as I said, most individuals in the, in the rural areas, the women in those areas, are skilled in growing it already. Why don't we capitalize on that? But we need a proper regulatory framework. You can't just have it free for all. You can't just have it open and everyone can just tap into it. I understand the risk attached to it. You can either stand on the sidelines and see how other countries overtake you, or you can participate in that. And I think at the moment, we're not even on the sidelines. We're standing outside the stadium and we're not competing in this at all.
1: It's clear that the cannabis bill currently before Parliament is going to be subjected to heated debate and that it's very unlikely to be passed in its current form. But it seems equally unlikely that it would be amended to suddenly open the doors to a glorious commercial future for marijuana cultivation in this country. So could a separate bill be introduced to cover the commercial The answer aspects? to that is that
3: there will be a separate bill dealing with the commercialization of it that we don't have to have an instance where we are are missing out as a country on capitalizing on the plant and by government focusing only on the personal use issue and the criminal element behind that.
1: For now, until Parliament passes its legislation in whatever form it decides on, we remain in legal limbo. Businesses like Jack's will probably be able to operate undisturbed. Users like Neo can smoke weed at home and shouldn't fear arrest but we're a long long way off being anything like amsterdam or canada or the american states which have legalized marijuana and it doesn't seem there's much appetite from government to take us down that road anytime soon don't shoot the messenger is a podcast brought to you by the daily maverick this episode was produced by haji mohammed dawji with sound engineering, editing, and support by Bernard Kotzer, Tevya Turok Shapiro, and Catherine Kotzer. You can listen to Don't Shoot the Messenger on the Daily Mavericks website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more, subscribe to the Daily Mavericks newsletters and follow us on Twitter and Instagram.